I want to start the show this evening uh, recognizing uh, today, uh, the 9th of May, 2022, as the 222nd anniversary of the birth of one of the most significant human rights activists in American history, John Brown. Uh, there's an essay in The Baffler by Willis McCumber uh, called uh, The Irrevocable Step, John Brown and the Historical Novel. Basically what the essay is, is it juxtaposes two historical novels uh, against the historical you know, figure of John Brown, and there's a paradox. Um, in 2013, there was a graphic novel called The Good Lord Bird. They just made like a Netflix or a Hulu documentary out of it. Um, and basically it paints a picture of the character as sort of a madman white savior type, um, which is actually not really historically accurate. In 1960, there was a novel uh, called The Surveyor by Thurman Nelson that um, sort of shows Brown as a clear-minded thinker, a com obviously committed to, to action, but somebody who came up amongst the working class and amongst the blacks and, and actually was even sort of measured in a sense, which you don't really get that from Brown in other works, um, except for maybe Dubois' biography. So anyway, the surveyor takes place in an, uh, a year's worth of time when Brown goes out to Kansas um, because there's a states rights issue happening, right? Um, slavery is expanding, actually. <clears throat> and there's been a series of compromise after compromise after compromise. And basically it comes down to the federal government saying, well, whoever gets their first squatter's rights can just petition for statehood. And so if the Missourians, who they call ruffians, come up from Missouri and have an interest in making it a slave state, you know, they'll, they'll try to settle by violence um, some of the northern free state folks who came out to try to settle this sort of, <clears throat> this, uh, at this point, you know, borderland. So... Um, Brown's going out there um, to try to defend um, the abolitionists. Before he gets there, uh, Lawrence, Kansas is sacked by ruffians from Missouri. Um, buildings are burned. Administrators are killed. And they don't really know how to act, how they're going to they're gonna follow up. So Brown and a band are sort of lying in, in wait, sort of figuring out if they stumble across them, what they're going to do. And um, they wind up not doing anything. And um, this is an excerpt from the essay that I think is, is apt, and I wanted to sort of start the conversation off with this. So <clears throat> this first part is McCumber, uh, his commentary. And yet this is not what they attempt. While lying in ambush, but uncertain of the ruffians' route, they learn that local territorial officials have been threatening to destroy their homes, lynch one of their supporters, and terrorize their family members who have remained behind. With this highly credible threat, Brown once again turns aside from full confrontation of the ruffians. Quote, I am thinking of what happens if we cannot engage in any military action at all in this area, he says. There has to be an irrevocable step taken somewhere, and one of us has to make it. The Lawrence leadership had just demonstrated deep cowardice. Brown's irrevocable step, summary execution of the five bogus officials threatening his popular base, he turns towards home with the four sons, his son-in-law, and two others. On the way, they camp overnight. Then, the next night, quote, If this had been a carefully wrought plan, it could be diverted or corrupted in numerous little ways. It was the other side who worked their will on people by long-standing plottings and gambles. And now he, by lying in wait, with the will subdued enough not to act until the opportunity came for a decisive stroke, could, with a minimum of forces and material, create absolute havoc on the camp of the enemy. To your tents, O enemy, now see thine own house. Here, then, more than two-thirds of the way through the novel, more than halfway through a terrible century, structured by a long accumulation of elite plottings and gamblings, from the U.S. Constitution itself to the Missouri Compromise of 1820 to the annexation of Texas in the Mexican-American War, to the Compromise of 1850, to the Fugitive Slave Act, to the Kansas-Nebraska Act of 1854, and more than nine-tenths of the way through a life of prayer, endurance, and determination, Brown acts, not with haste or vengeance, but with the most creative decisiveness. That night, using broadswords rather than guns in order to maintain silence, he and his men execute five 
minor pro-slavery territorial officials outside their homes. The same number as free state settlers that had been so far murdered by Kansas uh, in pro-slavery actions. It is the first really decisive and irrevocable uh, free state response to the Missouri's federally-backed machinations. As the conflict escalates, Brown emerges as the first free state militia commander capable of leading citizen soldiers in out-and-out battle and eventually becomes nationally known for his role in the Battle of Blackjack and Asawatami. In the raid of Harper's Ferry three years later, most of the men are recruited from Kansas. The events at Harper's Ferry come to bear a similar relationship to the national conflict as the five nighttime killings bear to the bloody duel in the Kansas Territory. Well, let's do this. Hello, everyone. This is Rob in the Highlands Bunker. Um, we have kind of an important conversation tonight. Um, joining us, as always, is uh, Super Producer Carl. He's on the ones and twos on the knobs over there. Um, we have the Executive Director of the ACLU of Delaware, Mike Brickner. Hi, Mike. Hey, Rob. And we have uh, activist extraordinaire and organizer, Nick Beard. Hello, Nick. Hey. Um, we also have... Um, for oversight, just in case we say anything crazy, Nurse Susan will be will be checking. She'll be fact checking on the fly. So thanks everyone for coming. Um, the reason I wanted to talk, of course, is that uh, last week uh, a draft decision was leaked from the Supreme Court, uh, penned by Justice Alito, uh, that would overturn uh, Roe versus Wade. Uh, it would leave up to the states to make. And what we're seeing is the most draconian changes in, in civil rights and women's rights probably that we've ever seen. Um, I guess my first question for Nick, um, what, what, just, what were your feelings about it? And the reason I ask is because I found out about it in like a weird way. Um, I was getting ready to go to bed. Susan was already asleep and I picked up my phone one last time. And our, our friend, the, the labor historian in Wisconsin, Harvey J.K., had sent me a t- signal message. And he was like... Have you fucking seen this? And it was, and it was that. And, and I, I don't know, I just felt, uh, I, I kind of felt sick. You know, I, I was able to go to bed, but I didn't even look, really look into it. Um, you know, what was your reaction and how do you feel? Yeah, so I was putting my son to bed. Um, I was putting my little guy to bed. And I looked at my phone and I had the pop-up. And I thought, this isn't happening. Um, you're Regular listeners will know that I lived in Ireland for a long time. I lived in a country where women died because they didn't have access from abortion. I spent a lot of time fighting to change that. And I thought, nope, it's done. We're moving in the right direction. Nothing like this is ever going to happen again. And in a moment, it was that everything I'd fought for, everything that I'd spent my entire life arguing against just looked so scary. Um, And I had you know, was there with my son. And I just thought, this is going to be something that is going to permeate the rest of his life. And so I very much felt that sense of this is an intergenerational struggle. And I thought we'd won. And we haven't. Yeah. And I just want to make it clear, too. I think it's, um, it doesn't really matter, like your your gender identity or whatever, it doesn't really matter. Um, even, you know, a, a intellectual inspiration of mine, Christopher Hitchens used to say, like, until women have full autonomy, we're, we can't move forward. Like, that's one of the most important, crucial issues just to be able to do, to do, any, to do any progress at all in, 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 you know, in our society, in our politics, in our economics, whatever. Um, so, yeah, I think it's important. It's intergenerational. Like, everybody's got to take this extremely seriously because it is extremely serious. But I'll, I'll ask Mike something because you mentioned sort of being surprised. I think one of the reasons I wasn't – one of the reasons I was sick is because I wasn't surprised. I was waiting for that. Like, it was one of those things where, like, you, you know, maybe you turned the game off and your team was getting blown out. And then the next morning you look and you're like, oh, they got blown out. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was more like, okay, it's happening. How bad is it? And you read it and it's very bad. Um, so, I mean, what was, your, what was your take as far as just sort of being surprised at the, at, 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 at the, at the fact that it's rolling out? 
So I had a similar reaction to Nick when I first uh, saw the decision. Um, I got the notification on my phone, went to check it, and I was not surprised. Um, the The best way I can say is it felt surreal. Um, you know, regular listeners also know that I hail from Ohio and spent about 20 years advocating there. And in Ohio, the state motto is we're, we're the heart of it all. And I like to think we're the heart of a lot of the anti-abortion crap that's come out uh, in the last few decades. Um, we were the first state that had a six-week abortion ban. Um, you know, most of my professional career has been trying to fight against these types of bans. And, you know, the the opposition to abortion is not um, delicate about what they want. Uh, it's painfully obvious what their end game has always been, and it's been this. Uh, but to actually see it in black and white, and I and I read Alito's draft opinion, it just it felt like almost an out of body experience. And immediately, I went to the same place you just mentioned, Rob, which is I thought of all of the other people that are going to be impacted by this because you know losing our federal protections for abortion is a calamity for millions of people across this country but what alito said in that draft opinion and if it holds in this draft opinion is that he is essentially saying if it's not found in the plain text of the constitution it does not exist as a right and if it isn't in the common law or the common history of our country, it doesn't exist. And so since you know we didn't protect abortion rights in 1776 and 1836 and all of the other years leading up to Roe versus Wade, and it's not in the Constitution, it, it, it's, it's not protected. And there's so many other rights, so many other things that are supposed to be precious and dear to us. And so, you know, yes, it's a tremendous step backward for pregnant people, um, it's also going to be a step back for so many of the rest of us because um, our liberation is is shared. Our, our salvation is shared. And if, if some people can't get free, they're going to find other ways to keep other people uh, from getting free. Yeah. I mean, the, the draft opinion mentioned, uh, you know, uh, same-sex marriage. Um, the draft opinion mentioned you know, British common law and quoted um, scholars that uh, were judges and jurisprudence in the 17th century and had witches burned. So I think it's pretty clear what we're talking about. Like, this is not, oh, okay, so 17 states, now you can't get an abortion. That's very bad. But the idea behind it, again, will make it worse. That's sort of why I reference when I read the stuff about the lead up to states' rights being slavery in the lead-up to the Civil War. It's like all of the all the deals that are cut and all of the th little things that you can ignore just for to go along to get along, actually things grow. Slavery was growing. This, this um, grab at civil rights is going to grow. It's not just going to be this. It's going to be birth control. It's going to be um, same-sex stuff. It's going to be you know rights for for any kind of uh, gender identity. It's going to be all sorts of things that you might not even be able to imagine. So that's the other thing I think is important is to remember that um, you know the the intention is is very clear and it's not just this. Then this is bad enough. It's worse. So um, what I do want to do is to make sure that we cover at least from a Delaware standpoint what uh, it means to have Roe v. Wade codified in Delaware, uh, how that will impact states like Delaware and others who have either already done this or are in the process of doing it. And so we'll start with that and then we'll move on to um, where the real activism is going to have to come. Oh boy. So Mike likes to point out that there is this attitude that Delaware is leading the way. And it is, listen, it's great that we codified Roe. It is. It, it is a good thing. It's seeming very prescient today. But 
the idea that that is the end of the story, that that's all we need, that we are done and totally sorted, is something I'm hearing from a lot of people. And I want to say that that is nowhere, nowhere, nowhere near enough. Rights are what is written down in the, on, on a piece of paper, right? So there there is a piece of state law that says, you know, people who are pregnant can get access to an abortion and the doctors can perform abortions on fetuses that are not viable. That doesn't actually mean that any of those people are going to be able to access that abortion, right? It only, it only, it only allows it to be protected under uh, state law. But whether or not a person can afford the cost of an abortion, can afford uh, transportation to get the abortion, can afford childcare to watch their other children while they're trying to get an abortion, um, time off from work, um, all, all of the things that go into actually making it a real decision. If you're a minor, being able to notify your parents, um, you know, so many other things. And then not even to mention all of the other angles of reproductive justice, because if you really want somebody to make a choice about their pregnancy, they actually have to feel like they have a choice, right? And so if you don't have things like uh, robust paid leave, uh, universal child care, and universal kindergarten, and all of these other social safety nets that allow you to have a child and to be able to thrive, you also don't actually have full choice either. It was so weird that Collins and Lawson didn't sign on to the Momni bus. Weird, right? Yeah. Well, let's 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 pick that apart a little bit in the sense that, um, yeah, I mean, number one, there is definitely a sense of uh, the the sort of uh, affluent middle class liberal mentality that, well, we've codified this, so we're we're good, we're leading the way. We're not. Um, first of all, uh, I'm going to call him out by name. I think uh, someone like Chris Coons is, is just happens to be a perfect example of the problems that we have. Chris Coons is an enemy in this. Um, Chris Coons is fine with this decision. He does not want to stand up. Um, he does not want to advocate for any kind of radical action. What he wants to do is make sure he works with the GOP so that the Supreme Court justices are, they get the, you know, 24-hour Secret Service protection. That's what his, that's where he's at. So people got to know that your, your structure, your, your political structure, just because they codified Roe or because they have a Democrat after their name, they're your enemy. They're not going to stand with you, right? They're not. And I'm going to bring up one other controversial thing and let you guys sort of figure out how you want to hash it out. Um, that, that sort of middle class milieu also tamps down activism we could get from really who should be our, our comrades in this, and that's Planned Parenthood of Delaware. I'm sorry. We have a management team, not the medical staff, who provide services to the community. We have a management team at Planned Parenthood who, are, who have the mentality of the Chris Coons. That's where they're at. They're not your ally. They're the kind of people, as Nick, I think, mentioned, that said, well, we're leading the way. You know, we're, we're codified. We're, we're up here. We're better. You know, so... You know, I, I think we, we need to start questioning, um, yeah, we need, to, we need to start questioning, like, who's on our side and, and really facing the facts, I think, as Nick said, we're not leading the way. We have to start. We have to get very radical, but we're not leading the way. We're not, this is not enough at all. So that's my little screed about when you, when you mentioned, um, you know, a lot of people get, you know, very uh, optimistic or high on themselves like oh we don't have to worry about this here we're we're enlightened we're not in texas or whatever not really not really well and you know if i can just speak from some experience um you know when the abortion bans first started coming in ohio um keep in mind like 
20 years ago, Ohio was a swing state. We had Democrats who were elected statewide. We had control of the House on the Democratic side, and the Senate was the Republicans. And many of us said, well, it's not going to happen here because we're not Mississippi. We're not Texas. We're not uh, these other states. And yet it happened, right? And, you know, the other thing that I'll say that's scary about where this is all heading is the Supreme Court didn't just clear the way for this to happen in the states and for it just to go back to the states. They also invited and said, if Congress wants to pass a law and the president signs it, that they can. And I can I can certainly envision a time where anti-abortion legislators will control the, the halls of Congress in the U.S. Senate and we will have an anti-abortion president and that we could have a nationwide ban that would supersede all of our state protections. Right. And, and and so, you know, part part of why we are here, and this this will address more specifically your point, Rob, I think, is because the the pro-choice community has really we we have had our butts handed to us by the anti-choice folks for decades, I, I argue. I think that we have very much been playing a defensive game uh, where we have tried to maintain this Roe decision and holding on to however we can piece together Roe and not pushing for um, expansion of access to abortion, not answering all of these questions that Nick and I <laughs> raised earlier about what real access looks like. And if you're playing a defensive game and you're trying to just, you know, save this little piecemeal, this little scrap over here, it is a losing game at the end of the day. And so, you know, in some ways, like the ha- the house is burning down right now. We're, we're losing pretty much everything right now in, in the abortion space. So now we've got to build something back and, and, and we've got to do it in a different way because we're, we're, this is not the way to win this issue. I think that's right, yeah. Yeah, and I don't think it's unique to abortion that there's this idea of the Delaware way, which means that if we don't ask for too much, if no one notices, if we're never controversial, it's all going to be fine. They're going to magically forget that abortion exists. And I will admit, I was um, saying to Mike earlier that the joke, of course, in activist circles is that like I meet someone and try to recruit them to Our Lady of Medicaid abortion right away. But the reality is that this hasn't been stuff that's been on the conversation table. There's been fighting against the anti-choice restrictions, but there's never been this sense so far of what's next? How do we improve this? And I mean, I do want to give a shout out to all the service providers at Planned Parenthood. I used to work at Planned Parenthood. It was the worst thing in the world to go to work 20 weeks pregnant and have people telling you day after day that like you were a horrible mother who was going to destroy your child for life. It's not fun. So I I do think that like we should appreciate the great work that the medical staff is doing and providing abortion services because that's that's a rough job. And the private providers. And the pre- yeah, well, absolutely. Out there, which no one talks about. Yes. Yeah, off could mic, you tell off us mic where over you here, uh, um, <laughs> Nurse Susan did point out that there are private providers also providing these services, and they should get a shout out as well. Yeah, I, I think, um, Mike, you, you, you put it very well. Uh, we're getting our ass handed to us because, because we're, well, well, because, um, Hold on one second. You're off the mic. I can't tell. <laughs> Why is she not mic? Someone get this mics. woman a mic. Off the, off the mic. Hold on. I, hold on. Hold on. Hold your thoughts. Write them down. You know. Jesus Christ! Everybody thinks this is a. Uh, this is if it's fucking uh, circus. We're sorry, Carl. We're sorry. So uh, no, I, I um. Mike's point about not fighting. Yeah, we're laying down. However you want to, however, whether you want to characterize it as um, us getting our asses handed to us or us lying down or both of those things, I think it's probably both. Because um, as I read in the, the passage at the beginning, our, our enemies have been, have been, you know, doing plottings and gambles for 25 years, 30 years, 35 years. I saw an interview today of, of uh, uh, a, a man, a lawyer being interviewed the day after the road decision came down talking about what they were going to do to get it overturned. 
So they've been fighting. What the Chris Coonses of the world do is um, to ignore that. And just as you said, as Nick said, um, to be like, well, it'll all work. It, it, that we're, you know, they're on our side, kind of. They show up at our events anyway. But yet that's not enough. You have to be an active participant in the fight. And they're not. And that's just the, that's just the problem. And and I think there's got at some point the the equivocation and you know that my favorite pa- part of that earlier passage was going all the way back to the Missouri Compromise, the Compromise of 1850, the annexation of Texas. Like and and actually I I really would uh, recommend strongly people read that essay. Carl will link to it. Um, because it talks about the the attitude of the Northerners who are like, well, we're in the North, so we don't really we're not involved in this. And then the Atlantic the slave trade was was ended, but all the ending of the Atlantic, the, the the slave trade did was incent the slavers to breed people. So it was growing; they were trying to grow grow it in Kansas, and so all this equivocation doesn't lead to comedy. It doesn't lead to, you know, the Delaware way and everybody's shaking hands. It leads to a bunch of people getting rich and the rest of us getting fucked. And in, until people want to deal with that fact, um, we're going to be we're going to be getting our asses handed to us. Yeah. And I think there's an idea that, oh, they're all messed up at the federal level. But you were talking about people who aren't pushing it locally. And I'll be honest, I feel like our legislator hasn't always pushed as hard as they could on these issues. No, they don't. I, I completely agree. I, I don't uh, I don't think there's any real uh, I don't think there's any real push to come out and say um, abortion should be available to every everybody who wants one, every pregnant person who wants one. It should be free. There should be no no restriction. Like, we get into these, it's interesting, I wonder what you guys think about this. This is the other equivocation. Well, what about um, rape or incest or health of the mother? Like, yes, I don't mind pointing that stuff out to, to point out just the, the, the depravity of the idea that you that this would be illegal. But the fact of the matter is, fuck that. Fuck all those cutouts. People should have the right. Doesn't matter what the situation is. You have you you have agency over your body to do with it what you want, and so like I always wonder, and and I I don't think it'll happen so much anymore, but one of the big like Delaware way things is like, well you know we'll it, you know what about we we only do this percentage of abortions we do other stuff, uh, or we only do you know there's always like this caveat or some fuck caveats fuck it we're doing it. And that's, I think that needs to be the mindset or else it's just a, a slippery slope to, 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 to get, losing it all, really. What, you're not a fan of safe, legal, and rare? Don't mind me. We just do the odd abortion. <laughs> well, be- I, I guess what I'm saying, Nick, is no, I'm not a fan of it. Well, well and, and none of us should be because, you know, again, that, that is based off of a strategy that is rooted in shame and stigma. And that when we say, well, we have to ha- make sure that uh, people who are, um, you know, rape survivors get access to abortion. Well, yes, of course I believe that. But I also believe that somebody who just decides because they woke up that morning that they don't want to have the, the, this this pregnancy to term, that they can terminate their pregnancy, that they have that right and they have that bodily autonomy. But when we're operating off this space that, you know, abortion should be rare um, or that you have to have some sort of good reason to have abortion, again, it it bakes in that shame to the very movement and it makes us then not want to push for anything progressive. And so, you know, countless uh, uh, political candidates and current elected officials have been able to get by by saying, well, yes. I'm pro-choice, but has anyone actually like explored what does that mean to them? So they're pro-choice, but what sorts of policies have they pushed to actually expand choice or protect choice? 
what 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 are their feelings on on all on all of these different issues? And no one has really you know pushed our legislators to really come to account. It's okay just to say, well, I'm pro-choice, uh, I support Roe versus Wade, and that's the end of the conversation. But that is not the end of the conversation on abortion rights. It keeps being said, Roe is the floor. It's the bare minimum. What else have you done? If you're not willing to get specific and progressive, I don't think that's acceptable right now for for many Democratic candidates. No, and I think, and, and maybe Nick can speak to this because you're on the ground doing activism, talking to all of these, uh, talking to these people face-to-face on this issue. Um, yeah, because saying that I'm pro-choice and I support Roe has been enough because nobody has demanded better. And, I, and, and, you know, unfortunately it had to come to this, but we need to start sort of demanding exactly that. Yeah, I will say that as I speak to legislators, I am shocked about the number that don't even really understand the issues. I am shocked at the number who don't understand literally the mechanics of abortion. I am shocked about the people who don't understand how much an abortion costs. Um, I recently said to a legislator who I will not name. Name them. But you know that if you are if you receive military insurance, that doesn't cover abortion because it's funded by the government. Doesn't cover abortion. That is a massive population of people in Delaware. I would bet you that less than 50 percent of legislators know that. I would bet you that even fewer know that you can provide Medicaid funds through the state. There is such a lack Maryland of. Does. Yeah, Maryland with the Republican governor. Alaska provides it. Alaska. My mother's hero, Lisa Murkowski, her state provides abortion. It's it is so, so frustrating, the lack of understanding and the thinking that genuinely they're genuinely legislators who think we codified Roe. We're done. Or who will say, I'm the most pro-choice person you've ever met while not pushing. Well, and it's it's amazing to me just even the lack of understanding of what abortion is. You know, I, I think you all know that we pushed uh, around um, House Bill 320, which passed earlier this year, around advanced practice clinicians being able to provide abortion care. And the bill, as it was written and as, as it passed, only covered medication abortion. And, you know, in talking to um, a lot of the folks um, uh, in Dover, um, there was a lot of concern about procedural abortions, that people picture it as, oh my gosh, it's this really complicated surgery that is, you know, uh, really invasive and carries this high level of risk and complications. And it's like, no, this is actually a, an extremely simple procedure. It, it's not even really a surgery, even though it's called surgical. And it's it's it, it's much less complicated than labor and delivery, which nurses and physicians assistants do all the time. Yeah, that complicated procedure you're talking about, that's giving birth. Yeah. Well, part of the problem is if you can't speak freely about abortion, like as a layperson, we expect the women who have to justify their abortions to be the ones speaking about it. So like if I work for an abortion, you know, facility and I can't talk about it, like, or you can't talk about it freely, like, and you're not answering questions, how is anyone supposed to know? Like, you can't make the people getting the abortions have to explain what goes on. We need to educate the community. So what do we think, just some fun stuff, and maybe we'll segue into, like, some other, like, sort of, I do want to make sure we get back to Number one, the activism you all are doing acutely now uh, and also some of the ways that people can help. And I don't mean help like make phone calls. I mean with your money and your and your and your body and your travel and you going and doing shit. But we'll talk about that at the end. Um, <clears throat> the leak itself. It's pretty interesting to me. Um. And I say that just from a political sort of on the ground activism standpoint, because it was obviously meant to 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 get some sort of reaction. I think that 
it was meant to make sure that the justices are going to overturn it don't get cold feet. Other people think it was to get out ahead of it and get people riled up because it's going to happen in June or July. Um, Either way, that calls for mass mobilization. It calls for radical protests. All of the things that we've already start to see happen that needs to ramp up, regardless of, of like the the intrigue behind like what happened. But I wonder what what you guys think of that part of it, uh, and whether you agree that like either way, it's it's a it's a call, it's a direct call for direct action now. I will say the one take I really really hate is people saying, well, if they're going to do it, they should just do it now. Um, they should just release the decision now because I will say that every day that this decision isn't released, more people are able to get abortions. I think about the people who are in a state where it will definitely, a trigger law will happen, and that someone who only is finding out they're pregnant today, I really, really hope they're able to get an abortion next week or the week after that. So to me, if this is going to happen, the longer we get, the more people can access abortions. Uh, Very much agree with that, Nick. Um, I... I also subscribe to your theory, uh, Rob, in terms of how the leak happened. I, I think that you know there there has been a long history, especially when the liberals are in the minority. Um, you know, oftentimes uh, opinion drafting is kind of like horse trading. You you know try and get a sentence changed here or there. You try and make the decision a little bit less worse, and so leaking the full text of it really didn't benefit any of the liberal justices. And and I think in terms of who leaked it, I mean, considering that opinions don't get just shared with everybody, I mean, it, it's either a justice or a very high-ranking clerk. Um, and so I, I think the more probable thing is it probably was one of the conservative clerks who um, leaked it, who wants to see abortion overturned and wanted to make sure that those five justices were um, locked in and that people couldn't come around the uh, the uh, Chief Justice John Roberts kind of compromise. I want to make clear, though, his compromise is a bag of dog duty. Um, <laughs> that, that is not a compromise. You know, uh, saying that a 15-week ban is constitutional and that viability no longer matters. That was just going to be a slow car car collision to get rid of Roe because then they could say a twelve week one is good and a six week one well, is good. As we were saying, it's all it, it all just unless you unless you stop it and you say that's it, this is it. Yeah. Unless you do that, then it's it's just a it's just a, by death by a thousand cuts. Over and over and over again, just like we were talking about. Before. And 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 I think now is the time for direct action. Um, you know, the the hopefully this is a dose of cold water to people that feel like we are not in some sort of extraordinary time. We are in an extraordinarily dangerous time in our country, where and again, it's not just abortion rights. All of these things are are connected. The fact you're seeing, you know, laws being passed uh, preventing, you know, transgender kids from getting gender affirming care in Alabama and many other states. The fact that you're seeing all of this pushback on critical race theory and teaching and talking about race in schools. You have two sitting Supreme Court justices who refused to say during their confirmation hearings whether or not Brown versus Board of Education was properly decided. We are in scary, scary times where we are now being ruled by the minority. Because again, the majority of Americans believe in abortion rights. They believe in LGBTQ rights. They believe in racial justice. Uh, But we are being ruled by a very uh, tactical, very strategic, and and unfortunately a very powerful minority right now. Um, The first thing I'll say, I didn't think of it until you you mentioned... Uh, what a steaming load of shit the Roberts Compromise is, because it is. I'm f- sort of familiar with that 15-week sort of equivocation. Um, but I will say this: if if this is a this if this creates a shitstorm, which I'm advocating for, I think we all are. Um, 
it's a really good way for Roberts to sell that compromise. <clears throat> Wouldn't it be? Like, if, if shit really goes down and, and this all ramps up, one of the ways to sell that, uh, the, one of the ways to get you to eat that shit sandwich is to be like, well, look how bad it could have been. Is that your theory, Rob? John Roberts leaked the... I, you know what? <laughs> it is. And I didn't, I will give, I'm going to give Mike credit because I didn't think of it until he said that. But when he said it, I was like, this is a John Roberts leak. It's not against Roberts to stop him from peeling somebody off. It's He's hoping for, you know, mass protests. And then his sales pitch for this will be like a piece of cake. He'll be like, oh, it's a turd on a hot dog bun. Yeah, mm-hmm. you'll eat it. You'll eat it right up. But here and here here is the thing is that either way we're eating a shit sandwich, right? Correct. I, either oh, way, we're eating. Oh, the, it, let, let's, let's be very clear. There's a lot of shit face food. Yeah, we're definitely yeah. eating but shit. There's no, doubt. John, There's no way around it. John Roberts also has a, an end goal of of not having abortion in this country, right? He does not believe in abortion rights. and But he thinks we should do it quietly. We should oh, do no it quietly and politely, um, whereas the other five justices don't believe so. And so, you know, now is the time to get active because also, you know, we're just talking about, okay, the rights are going to go away for people in at least 26 states, right? And probably more. Um, but we haven't really talked about, like, what's that going to look like, right? So... What's going to happen when states pass, you know, laws like we see in Oklahoma and Missouri where they're, you know, uh, uh, criminalizing people who are not in their state borders, right? What are we going to see happen to providers or people who travel from Missouri to Delaware or Illinois or wherever else to try and get treatment and then they're criminalized back in their home state yeah, where or their they providers don't let, are. or they don't let people who can travel order the medication that they need for medical yeah abortions. A- a- absolutely or or what what happens when we have a different uh, uh president in the future one who's anti-abortion can he um he or she marshal uh, federal officials to uh, try and you know extradite people out of states. I mean, there's there's all sorts of hellscapes that we are not yet considering yet, and so, but but all of those hellscapes are right at our door that they could be happening in a few years. And I and you know one one of my favorites, uh, Nina Turner from uh, Cleveland. She says uh, her I think one of her teachers told her. If your hair is on fire, you should act like your hair is on fire. And all of our hair should be on fire right now because, like I said, the house is burned down. We we don't have anything else right now. Mike can relate everything to Ohio. Yeah. Well, you know, and uh, I, I'm I I think that's exactly right. I mean, I you were you were listing things, and the thing that came to my mind, and we just spoke to Mira last week, uh, is the voting rights. So the Supreme Court has struck down over the last couple of years all the provisions in the Voting Rights Act that made sure that the, um, we'll just say, the states that had, like, literacy tests and poll taxes are suspicious. So we could go in and step in, the federal government, we, you know, all of us, and be able, and make sure that the stuff that was happening in places where, you know, up until, you know, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, there was, you know, literacy tests that we could go and make sure everything's working okay. And the Supreme Court said, we don't have to do that anymore. Well, that's convenient. So, as you said, I think it all kind of works together. All of the, the assault on, uh, on schools, whether it's CRT or teachers unions or, um, you know, just the teachers themselves, um, you know, they just make stuff up, groomers. Like it's all it's all part of a of a reactionary sort of backlash that I agree with Mike. It's 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 a it's a we're all we're in the red right now. One one of the most absurd pieces from uh, the draft opinion was uh, Justice Alito at one point said, "Well, this is a political issue, and you know if if women in America are concerned about it, they have the right to vote. They can go out and cast their ballots." This I mean, is coming that from that wasn't textual. I mean, I mean this this is coming from the same yeah. justice who sided with the majority to eviscerate the Voting Rights Act, who has upheld 
who who failed to act on the um, federal gerrymandering cases that came up to the U.S. Supreme Court that then uh, was also that also helped rule against the very last sections of Section Two of the Voting Rights Act, which were, are supposed to stop racial discrimination uh, uh, in voting. Um, you know, they've they've completely dismantled the system so that you, you look at a state like Alabama and Alabama is sure to ban abortion. Right. Uh, just this year, um, ACLU, Southern Poverty Law Center, whole group of uh, good government uh, organizations sued them over their congressional redistricting plan because um, the. Republicans uh, in the state uh, put all of the black voters into one district, even though they should have two in the state of Alabama. And it went all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court and they said, oh, no, sorry, it's too close to the election. You're just going to have to vote off of an unconstitutional map. And so when we talk about, you know, people trying to have political power in this country, we've already taken it away. We've taken away all of those voting rights uh, powers. And so... Um, saying, oh, just go back to the ballot, that'll fix everything. That's not going to work in a lot of states, unfortunately. Yeah, and let's be very, very clear. One of the things I did was sort of, like, try to get, you know, a handle on, like, the temperature of the country. And there, so now everybody's got their polls out. And, you know, I don't trust this kind of stuff, but, you know, you poke around and you get, like, a feeling for what you think is probably right. And, you know, we're talking about two-thirds of the country at a minimum, are, 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 are fine the way it is. They don't want this. They don't want it overturned. I've seen up to 70 or even into 71%. Now, that maybe that's an outlier high. But I haven't seen anything lower than 60. So we're talking about, you know, and, and the presidents can't even get barely 50% of the vote. So we're talking about the, the, some sort of, whatever you want to say, bipartisan support. So the idea that, you know, an unelected, undemocratic, made-up, Supreme Court is is like the remedy for that is to vote, whether it's Alito saying it or whether it's an email you're getting from the Democratic National Committee or whatever it is. That's all horseshit. Don't fall for that. That's all fake. I can't stress that enough. Forget that. Get out in the street. Listen to what when you get an email from Nick to get out to go do something. Do that. Don't give money to anybody unless it's Yellowhammer or some other pe- yeah. people that they tell you to give it to. Abortion funds are amazing. Do not give it to the Central Democratic Committee. No. Give it to your local abortion fund who is turning around, handing money to someone who needs an abortion tomorrow, who is saying, I need to get this abortion. I need help. I'm sending all my money on someone who's looking after my kid. I can't get myself to this procedure and pay for it without your help. Give them the money, please, for the love of God. Yeah, and definitely, I mean, if if, uh, I'd love you to give some, to uh, tell people, one, I know Yellowhammer is a good one. Um, I don't know all of them. I hope either you mention them or Carl can link to them. But yeah, I mean, that's another thing I was mentioning, direct action and supporting um, organizations that are getting money directly um, to patients who need abortions, getting them childcare, getting them travel, um, get all of that set up, getting them if they need to do a, a medical abortion, they can get the, the right prescription drugs. Like, Oh, that's the kind of stuff. Look into that. It's not about voting. It's not about uh, you know what the Democrats can do. They had their chance. They didn't fucking do anything. That's over now. Don't fall for it at all because we're in it. Like we're in. We're sort of in the. We're in the shit now. So the last thing you want to do is waste waste time with you know Nancy Pelosi sending you an email, and and I'd love for you to sort of talk about what you're doing specifically in Delaware and then what you're um, the sort of um, more more broadly, um, what kind of organizations um, need support, need money, need you to turn up um, to help them uh, sort of set up apparatus uh, for when this goes down in a couple months. For sure. So I will start by saying that Mike and I every day, more than once a day, are saying Medicaid abortion. We need abortion funded by Medicaid here in Delaware. Um, You were talking about voting, but you know what? There's a lot of primaries. There's a lot of empty seats. I'm thinking of candidates who are just going to say, oh, I'm pro-choice. I support Roe. Yeah, but will you actually put the money where your mouth is? Will you actually fund every person in Delaware who needs an abortion? Will you vote tomorrow to overturn parental notification requirements in Delaware? 
will you tomorrow vote to allow all providers to provide abortion services if it's within their scope of practice? These are things that we need to be asking everyone and that we need to make sure, because I am thinking of several Democrats in Delaware who will not put a single cent towards abortion services while saying they fully support abortion. Ask your candidates where they stand on this. Well, and they must be public about this, no? 100%. So let's, I mean, we can we can fucking call them out. Because unless you're, here's what we're saying. I want to make this, uh, I'm, I'm saying this, we'll, we'll make sure that I'm not speaking for anybody. It sounds like Nick agrees with me, but I know Mike's, at the ACLU is very political. <clears throat> There's no more I'm pro-choice. That's, that's over. No. Forget, forget that. Forget that. There's no uh, I, Roe v. Wade or 15. There's not. There are good people on both sides. There's no good people on both sides. Forget that. That's over. That's. We're past that. We can never get it back. It's gone. It's like uh, when Joe Pesci gets killed in Goodfellas. There's nothing we could do. He's gone. Jimmy, there's nothing we can do about it. Joe Pesci is good people on both sides. Yeah. Any memes you're making. He's gone. There's nothing we can do. So that's, that's over. Medicaid and. Uh, the public funding as part of health care for abortion now. now, now, today. That's it. And so, yeah, I mean, this is the framing. This is what we're this is. This is from a uh, from a messaging standpoint. This is what it is. Right. That's that's what we're going for. Yeah. I'm for I'm all, I'm all for it. Yeah. And 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 I do agree with you. Uh, because it, I, was, I, I knew you when I, I was just kidding, but, but, uh, you know, the, the, this is, this is going to be our ACLU voter campaign, you know, reproductive freedom is one of the five pillars of it. And we're going to be asking specific questions. We're going to be asking, do you support Medicaid funding for abortion? Do you support removing parental notification laws for minors trying to seek abortions? Do you support uh, APCs being able to provide procedural abortions? We're asking all of those questions specifically, and we're going to be holding candidates to answering those questions, and we're going to make sure that voters know their answers to those questions. So you know, the days of just saying, okay, I'm pro-choice and I support Roe v. Wade, as you said, that's over. We've, we've got to be specific and that's got to turn into action because that's what really what we're hoping is it's one thing to vote in the election, but then what happens the day after the election? How do we start to organize and mobilize to make these changes happen here in Delaware? Yeah, and I think there has been a massive cop-out where everyone blames someone else. Someone says that someone won't sign the legislation. Someone says they'll never bring it. Everybody passes the can. And you know what? We've had enough. I have had enough. And yep, we're protesting on Saturday. We are going to keep doing events. We are going to keep protesting. We are going to keep complaining about this and screaming at the top of our lungs. Yeah, we're going to have links um, to where you can follow all of this stuff for everybody who's listening. Because definitely jump in on this because... um, you know, we've said this before, and this conversation sort of uh, is, a, is a perfect example of it. Um, other than a couple I can think of, most of these uh, elected officials, both at the state level and at the, the federal level, they're cowards. They do not want you in their face. They do not want anything to do with you. So the key is to get in their face and stay in their face as close as you can get, as often as you can. Because we will break them. These people are weak. I mean, you see Chris Coons? Come on. Guy's fucking weak. Get down in Dover and start going with Nick to lobby some of these people. Because there should be Medicaid abortion services now. Funds, state funds for health care, for abortion services, for everyone, whenever they need it. That's it. Whenever they decide. That's that's the that's the, the 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 bottom line now. I want to make that abundantly clear. Yeah, it, you've got to back up your values with money. I mean, uh, if you look at just comparing us to other states, you know, Oregon just passed a 15 million dollar reproductive health equity fund because, you know, Idaho is one of their neighbors and they just passed a six week abortion ban. It's, you know, tied up in courts, but not for long, uh, likely. 
And um, they said, well, we've got to have a fund for people who are coming out of state to make sure that they can get uh, abortions. And now Nick is uh, 12 hours of the day talking about Medicaid abortion. Now, the other issue that she does talk about here in Delaware, and I hope it's okay that I bring it up, is that we're one of a very few number of states that actually does not have an abortion fund in the state. So Nick, I, I know you would love to say more about that and why that's important. <laughs> yes. And in fact, there is a big announcement coming soon at the end of the month. But the reality is almost every state has an abortion fund that helps people who fall through the cracks, whether or not it's people in New York who are covered but undocumented and say, even though I know technically I'm entitled to this Medicaid access, I'm not comfortable disclosing which happened a lot under the Trump presidency. Or it's someone who says, I have insurance and it's covered, but as in Delaware at the moment, my parents get the explanation of benefits that say I have an abortion. I can't put it on my insurance. It's people who fall through the cracks that there is an abortion fund. You mentioned Yellowhammer, which is an amazing, amazing fund run by a Trekkie, I might add. Everyone knows what a Star Trek fan I am. Um, and so that is something that Delaware is one of the few states that don't. But... There's going to be an announcement on the 31st of May, which I hope is going to help fill some of those gaps. I think we're breaking news here on the Highlands Bunker podcast. I say we don't break news. I feel like that's not like our bag, but I think we just broke some news, folks. So, uh, you know, check your uh, your local means of getting this information because it sounds like uh, we're going to have something exactly like that that you can uh, you can donate your time and your money to. And as a true Nick, you might get some of that information towards the end of the month if you attend there's there's a fundraiser going on there, there? is oh, maybe yes. one of our guest bartenders can tell us about the fundraiser <laughs> oh yeah i'm a guest bartender i yeah, forgot you, about that you signed oh, up i make really shitty drinks but that's all right uh so there's a guest bartender event it's from six to six nine six to nine uh may 31st at bbc uh tavern so uh proceeds will benefit uh, the National Network of Abortion Funds. So um, I think I'll be in town. Uh, I'm at at the BBC Tavern. You're right in the you're right in the um, the affluent white lady wheelhouse. That's what we're hoping. What affluent light ladies? I will take your money. Yeah, like, yeah. and so, I will give it straight to someone who needs an yeah, abortion. Once you once you get once you give your money, I'm going to be outside telling you why you're not doing enough and you're fa- you're phony baloney. You're fake. And you should give more money. And I'll send you back in. You give more. So maybe I'll, I'll uh, let you guys talk about this and then we'll leave it. There are a lot of people that like to pretend that they're an advocate. Um, the way they would put it is like they, they just they need a seat at the table. You know, they need to get the ear of, you know, the powers that be to be able to get anything done. We have to start shaming people like that because I am very suspicious of that. I think it's fake. I don't think, as you said before, that very many people want to go there. They're afraid. I called them cowardly. Maybe that was a little, maybe that was a little harsh. I don't think it was, but I'm just trying to get you guys out of it a little bit. Um, but yes, I think there needs to be a concerted effort to really ramp up the pressure. And I'm so glad you guys are, are, are doing all of that. Um, is there any other resource or mutual aid or action or anything that we should be promoting or get, to get people sort of involved with at all that we should like talk about? So, oh, I I would also a couple other things that I would mention is, um, you know, one of the, one of the reasons I am optimistic and I get blamed by my staff sometimes. They're like, "You're and too me. fucking optimistic." You're gonna hit me with optimism. Right I'm now? gonna hit you with optimism. Oh my god. The the one reason I'm optimistic is uh, so I've been in I've been at the ACLU of Delaware for two years now, and in the last year, there has been a growing network of organizations and advocates who are starting to work on reproductive rights that it's not just one or two organizations anymore and so there are many very very good organizations like delaware now 
Black Mothers in Power, uh, down in Sussex, Women's March Sussex, and Southern Delaware Alliance for Racial Justice, who have all been standing in solidarity with all of the other groups that have been working on this. And so, you know, if you're looking for organizations to support, I would certainly send people that way, because I think the more of us that are in this fight, the better. Um, you know, it's it's hard. You know, I, 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 I feel bad, actually, for a lot of, you know, folks that have been in the repro world because for a long time, because I think they feel like they're very much by themselves. And I, I am optimistic that we have a growing community, but I will agree with you, Rob. You know, the question's being called, right? Uh, le- legislators, elected officials have to choose whose side they're on. And history doesn't favor the faint of heart, right? They don't, they don't go back and look at that person who almost decided to take action but didn't do anything. Um, they look for the person who had courage in their convictions and stood up for what is right. And that's what we need right now. We can't have people who are just going by a slogan and not willing to back up their words with actual deeds and actions. We, we, we have to have that now. And to not have that in our elected officials is just not acceptable. Nick, final word. Give us your, give us your whether it's positive, negative, uh, call to action, if you want to yell at people, whatever yeah. you want to do. Final word. Uh, I want every single fucking legislator in Delaware to say they're going to co-sponsor a bill that is going to support Medicaid abortion in Delaware. And I want every single person listening to this podcast to insist that their legislator do that. If you are someone who, well, actually, they're all up for election. They're up for election 2022. Tell them you're not voting for them. You're not canvassing for them. You're not giving them a fucking dime unless they agree that they're going to sign on for Medicaid abortion. That's my final thought. I'm into it. Yeah, no more. And and I I, I, I will start calling people out my name. I mean, there's there's a few people that I think will will sign on to our, our plan, and there's a few that are going to need their arms twisted. Um, but we'll do it. We will do it. We're not it, shutting up. No. So if anybody, if the, if the, if the real soft, if, if, the, if the soft underbelly of the, of the wine mom suburbia, like in milieu, if the Deb Heffernans and the fucking Kyle Evans gays and uh, fucking Krista Griffiths and all these fucking just nothing ciphers. You, these are the kind of people that got to get on fucking board. Like you're with us or you're not. That's who we're talking about, right? I mean, I'm not saying exactly, but I'm saying like this is the kind of thing that we're talking about. Yeah. All right. And you know what? If the moms at my yoga studio are like, yeah, Medicaid abortion, that's great. They can vote for that shit. Folks, it's very big at the yoga studios. It's very big in the Highlands Bunker Studio. It, it to really, be perfectly it, honest. It is, though, right? Like, again, the people are with us. Even on SB 149, you know, 70% of Delawareans agreed with that stuff, right? Like, it's 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 all popular. It's all there. It's just... Did every, you know the ACLU had an opinion on SB 149? We did. <laughs> Heard it here first. <laughs> You know, we have we also have an opinion on it. It's very similar to theirs. It's it, it's all of these like cowardly lions who need to get their courage, right? Uh, of like everybody's supporting you. If you take action, you can actually win, and not just win in terms of like winning politically, because I think you can win politically by taking action and being progressive and doing great bold things. But you can make us win as a state and as a country, and because right now we're we are not we are not doing well. I'm just happy I'm getting Nurse Susan's smile of approval. I'm like, if she's smiling, I'm doing well tonight. Well, if that's happening, that's the best we can do, folks. Thank you. Um, I'm, I, you know, I fuck around here all the time, and and but this is this is serious business, um, and I think as we made perfectly clear earlier, um. You know, this is a acute sort of big thing that's blown up in our face, uh, but it portends some very, very dark, sinister stuff. A, a backslide into um, just 
some things that are not pleasant, and I don't, I don't want, I, I don't want my the country I live in to be like that, and um, I don't think you should either. So, um, I guess we'll just try to rely on uh, Mike's optimism. Come to BBC May thirty first, and I'll give you a helping, a uh, nice helping of uh, optimism and a Manhattan too. It'll be there great. we go. There we go. So uh, yeah, you know what? I'm I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to BBC on the thirty first, and I'm just gonna sit outside, and I'm gonna I'm gonna just uh, smoke a huge blunt, and just watch people come in and like pretend like I'm taking notes. Be like, see who comes in, see who comes out. I was like, you see me. Yeah, yeah. wearing my reporter hat. I'm I'm a credentialed journalist. I don't know if you guys know. Maybe recreational marijuana will be uh, legalized by then too. Well, you know what? As, 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 so as I'm you know, riling them up. As you know, uh, yeah, we didn't talk about that. We're gonna go to the fun half. We'll go to the fun half and talk about it. So maybe maybe we'll record it. Maybe we won't. But um, everyone, thanks for thanks for listening. Um, yeah, I'm serious. Let's 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 jump on board and uh, and rally because we're, uh, we're we got our backs up against the wall. Um, you know, from Sussex through Kent, Newcastle County, everywhere in the state, left is best. <laughs>